0: You're listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast, brought to you by Sporting Chance Media and supported by the Western Weekender. For three decades, Penrith and the Blue Mountains have turned to the Western Weekender. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. Here is your host, Jonathan Robertson.
1: Ashley Buchholz is an artist whose work is focused on ambiguous shapes and unconventional colour, stimulating the sensory experience through her paintings. Growing up in Oaky Park and now living in the Blue Mountains, Ashley honed her skills at both the Newcastle Art School and the National Art School before a stint at an internationally renowned art residency in Ireland. A diagnosis of MS at the age of 24 did not deter Ashley rather providing a refined and clear focus on her art and her life. Ashley joins us virtually for the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Ashley, welcome to the Passion and Perspective podcast.
0: Uh, Thank you for having me on the podcast.
1: Ashley, (laughs) you grew up in Oakey Park, which is near Lithgow, New South Wales.
0: What was your upbringing like uh, in in the central west of New South Wales? Well, Okie Park is in Lithgow. It's just the older part of Lifko. So um, where the original train line from the Zigzag Railway came into Lithgow is from Okie Park end. Um, I... I I'm, Felt like where I grew up um, in Okie Park area was just beautiful. We were lucky. School was down the road. Mum and dad just let us go and get dirty in the creek and all that sort of stuff. We were country kids. So it was sort of nice, um, you know. As we were naughty when teenagers, let fireworks off and sparkler bombs and all the things that you couldn't get away with now. But yeah, I, I yeah I enjoyed it. Very sporting town. So I must admit, arts was um, not always high priority. But I was lucky to have my primary school have certain initiatives and give kids, you know, chances to go and do um, artist workshops and and when the HSC still had a good artist program. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) You you touched on your family there and you mentioned before the show that family's one of those things that you just can't live without. What role did your (laughs) your parents play on you? What influence did they have on your upbringing?
0: Um, Massive. Um, I think I'm very lucky that I had set of parents where not just encouraging but um let us to have our own voice so you know we would have dinner around the table and dad and mom would be like okay let us all have a turn to say or what we did in the day and you know whether it was boring or whatnot it doesn't matter they still let us learn taught us how to debate and how to chat and and um gave us all you know let us have um Nick's a drummer and I'm play guitar. and Matt plays guitar and it's just one of those things where we're lucky to be able to be expressive and um, I consider myself very supported. I'm very lucky.
1: And that sense of expression and, and freedom and, and adventure you touched on, rolling around in the dirt and stuff—do you, yeah. you think that helped shape who you are today and really uh, stimulated that that creative, um, creative aspect of your life?
0: Um, parts of it, absolutely. Um, uh, I was parents have always been supportive. I must admit, at the beginning, with um, creativity, you know, Dad sort of encouraged us to look for more careers that were sustainable, and because let's face it, arts is not an easy industry. Um, but I always had the attitude that I was always going to be in the creative industry. I actually, in fact, attempted nursing, Attempting <laughs> being the correct word. Nurses are special people. But eventually, after failing human bioscience science over and over and over again, I decided to. Jump over to the arts because, and then, and but I think definitely uh, being at home, mum and dad, they, whatever we really wanted to do, they'd be practice and I um, consider myself lucky. <laughs> and
1: you've you mentioned that the, the creativity kind of stemmed from you know, you, you had the ability to, to draw on walls as a kid and um, oh, yeah. creative <laughs> with, with your presence for your siblings and stuff like that. What did it first feel like for you when you're in the moment, um, whether it was painting or other types of artwork? Was there a sense of flow, a sense of enjoyment that came with it.
0: Um, as you, I think every kid is pretty naturally inclined to be creative. Anyway, I sort of feel like we're sort of losing that as technology comes in and gets given to us earlier and earlier. But um, I don't know. I just remember mum and dad giving us freedom, so we we're lucky because mum and dad were doing up an old house, you know, on a shoestring budget, and we had a room that we were allowed to have Lego. Yes every kid loves Lego dad would let us bring in dirt from outside make roads um Mom and dad knew that we we're drawing on walls uh but they just let it be till they painted over it over as we got older but um yeah I think as that flow thing I sort of really started to appreciate that as I got older and took it more seriously you do people call it being in you know time standing still you don't feel hungry all that thing once you're in it it's it's um it's bliss
1: and what role did school play in supporting um your your creativeness and your your passion for the arts
0: um zigzag school was pretty good as um i might have said before i don't know forgive me for repeat myself over and over again I'm, i'm like a sieve um uh they i found that i had a lot of really good teachers like miss pringle put me and a couple other kids into a program that was held at willerawang primary school so we went there for a week and we got taught you know painting and drawing just things at the age i think was i don't know nine or ten and i felt like um i was quite lucky and um Lithgow high school was pretty good also because we still had photography we had a dark room we had um Uh, Rock band was one of the other classes. We had an opportunity to actually record our own songs. Um, Had a pretty good arts um, sector too. Mr. Borden was my high school teacher and quite good as in um, pretty decent program to set you forward to put works together for your HSC. And I know a lot of um, kids got into um, Art Express, which is um, an artist program. When I say program, you get to have works displayed at the New South Wales Gallery. I didn't. That's okay. (laughs) Success comes later on. Yeah. yeah, I figured there was lots of opportunity to, um, if you wanted to knuckle down and have a go at something expressive, it was definitely available.
1: You mentioned that for you, it was a leap of faith, um, signing up for a drawing and oil painting techniques course. Um, It kind of gave you like a more of a focus to develop your skills Um, Did you did you find that you benefited from that kind of structured either school or course development as well?
0: Oh absolutely. Um, There's no doubt about it because I think um, as I might explain before I went into nursing with the attitude of I'd be a part-time nurse and a part-time artist and there's no doubt about it you have to put your whole attention to one or the other they're both deserving of the time and when you get to go to an institution that focuses on the practice but I mean hand-to-eye skills that you can't really learn well that's not correct there's a lot of people creative and client creative and they can practice but I, it's nice to have the um, seriousness given to the arts when I find a lot of institutions won't necessarily give that so when you go to an art school it's not something that's just treated as a hobby You actually it's a craft it's a skill and it felt nice to not feel like as you know if, if nothing ever came out of it, I just enjoyed myself. I, I actually got to the point where i wanted to continue on studying. so with those two courses, I managed to put a portfolio together and applied for the Hunter Street Tafe Art School in Newcastle and did two to completed two diplomas there and it felt nice to be you know appreciated and um, and a respect for it.
1: Did you find you got, um, energy from like-minded people at the, you went to Newcastle Art School in 2013, as you mentioned, was there energy and inspiration that came around from the, the group of people?
0: Oh, definitely. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, I just remember, uh, we, they had an open date and TAFE was, um, at the end of advanced diploma was, Uh, gave us an opportunity to go to the open day there if you wanted to extend our education. They gave us advice and I just remember walking into those old gates because it's the old original Darlinghurst Jail in Sydney. It's a national art school and I'm not going to lie, it's like Harry Potter, sandstone everywhere, like-minded people and it's ageless. So I had students who were straight out of high school to people who'd, Finished, his, you know, their other career and decided they finally wanted to give themselves a chance to do the art and the different personalities and the different backgrounds that go to that place. Yeah, it's it's awesome. No one else can get excited about it. look at my new paintbrush or set of oils and you know just know your friends who are creative and who get it and who and other friends who don't. You can actually have that conversation. It's just really nice.
1: <laughs> you touched on there the National Art School in Sydney, which you attended in twenty sixteen. The, the learning yeah. from, from that art school and also the Newcastle Art School, what, what were the biggest lessons you took from that, both as a person and as an artist?
0: I think as an artist, uh, you know, there's a statement I got from um Craft and Barton and it was an artist talk and she said, success comes within the making of the work. So it's, you know, it's good to have big dreams and good and grand ambition because the more content and the more you hone in on your skill and craft, it just continues to build up to your practice and eventually your career. And I think it's important to realize that um, when you go there, they teach you not to be precious, which is nice, and also how to challenge yourself, to challenge your skills, to have a standard and have a bar that you want to achieve, but also don't let it completely overwhelm you that you stop making because it can happen. Artists are horrible perfectionists. We're very annoying like that. Um, I know I am, I drive my parents insane, especially when they're helping me. Um, but also to understand that, you know, it's okay to make a bad work too. That's the one thing that I got out of my art schools that everything doesn't have to be a price value for it to be um, uh, worthy of your practice or worthy of um, progressing forward. And I know a lot of people get stuck in thinking um, that we're in capital society, a lot of things aren't given a chance unless it has a dollar of value. So your practice actually benefits from getting uncomfortable, um, trying new things that you feel like will just fail. The more you fail, the more successful you'll be because you'll know what you want to do for the rest of your life if you're happy to fall down and get back up over and over again for it.
1: So it's quite a shift in perspective for you, actually, going from you know you're wanting it to be perfect to, to a bit more just open-minded and willing to to put yourself out there oh yeah
0: have
1: there been many artworks where say you've got 75 percent in and just said you know what i'm not going to keep going i'm done with that one or do you still feel like once you've started you need to, to see it all the way through
0: um i've got to works so where i've just painted straight over them i'm being that annoyed <laughs> and just went you're done um and there's others where um, as practice has gone on and as my education and self-development has gone on, you start to learn that it's worth the push. It's worth, it's worth um, seeing it to the end. And then also understanding when a work is cooked, as um, Roger Crawford, painting teacher, used to say, just it's cooked, just next, make your next one. Keep making, keep producing. But, yeah, there's definitely times where I just thought I've had enough, <laughs> I could have put a Stanley knife through a couple, um, and then there's also times where when I've been at my most uncomfortable and just went, "What am I doing?" Which happens a lot. And <laughs> up swearing at the canvas uh, <laughs> uh, is when you're making your most progress. So, just just keep at, keep at it. That's what I'm trying to say. Just yeah.
1: Yeah, it's good advice for sure. And do you feel like sometimes you've just got to put brush to canvas to just get it started or do you spend a lot of time kind of thinking about what the the art's going to look like
0: uh research yeah i do a lot more research before i put the brush to canvas um i find that um or drawing i could do a lot of drawing a lot of photographing um i tend to find that for me it's best if i have a lot sunk into the subconscious when i say that is in we're constantly absorbing everyone is it doesn't matter if you're creative or not your environment does affect What you produce. and um, But I find that uh, it's almost like I want to come armed and prepared. So I'll do a lot of sketches, a lot of um, photographs, whether it's on site or location, because I find a lot of places have a sensibility and so will the work. But then I get to a point where I make and put the uh, brush to canvas and put the base underline painting in underground work. And after a while, I stop looking at my sketches and my uh, photograph and then I let it be intuitive, which is nice because um, then it becomes its own uh, its own work. I'm not necessarily copying anymore. It's now, um, yeah, it's when the creative aspect sort of kicks in and I find that's the blissful moment a lot of people talk about.
1: Ashley, I wonder when when you're pulling together a piece of work, what percentage goes into that pre-work, the sketching, the photography, the drawing, and then what percent goes into that, that moment of bliss and, and really pulling out all that creativity at the end?
0: Um, I guess for preparation, um, it could be weeks before I get to the canvas. So, uh, especially if it was location, um, uh, the last set of works, which I've really posted a lot on social media about, um, I did a series of paintings based on German Armbathus, and that's the land where my grandmother grew up on, uh, my nan. Um, She is originally a Healy, so that's the Irish that came to Australia and a lot of the sheep farming and you know mum would talk about stories about men riding bareback to go get the mail and polished dirt floors and these are just things that you can't even fathom like farming is a hard life it's a brutal truth when you get out there it's a harsh reality and I needed to go there need needed to go and see it I needed to go and draw it and um, and then you also get to the point where I got to remember not to romanticize these things so Because I haven't lived on a farm, I haven't had to raise animals, and I've never had to, you know, have to. I just go to the supermarket. (laughs) Like, it's a very naive world we live in. Um, So, a big percentage, it could be weeks. So, in a roundabout way, it could be weeks, it could be days. So, I'll go out shooting, I'll go out photographing, I'll take notes, and then an artwork could happen within a day or an artwork could happen in weeks. So even though I talked about pushing through paintings, it's healthy to have a series going at once rather than one um, so that you can give yourself a bit of relief and to turn, I call it facing the wall, you know, people just turn it around, or not just me, but people just face at the wall and then um, you give your brain a bit of time to turn over resolving the work. Um, and then I go back and I'll keep on making layers I am an acrylic painter, so that means that it's water-based. It's the point where it dries really, really quickly, whereas oil paintings takes hours, days, weeks. (laughs) This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media.
1: For three decades, Penrith and the surrounding community has turned to the Western Weekender. Whether it's the Weekender's highly revered print edition or its up-to-date news offerings through its digital presence... The Weekender truly is the heartbeat of Penrith. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. Jumping back to your time at the Newcastle and National Arts School, upon completing the, the courses there, what was the sense of satisfaction like for you?
0: Um, uh, at the end... I must admit, you're in a bit of a bit of a daze. I was just so exhausted. (laughs) It is a full on course to do. You're there four and a half days a week. It's like an unpaid job that you love, but you're poor. (laughs) And um, at the end, um, when I finally had, you know, hung my last set of works for my last assessment, which was also for the graduation, um, undergraduate show, um everyone's like oh you must be so excited and happy and I was like I'm so exhausted. <laughs> it was good, it was a good feeling. Um but you're almost in a uh, you're almost in a bit of a daze because you can't believe you've finished. <laughs> and it is a bit of bliss. Um, but uh it but you're also not finished because you need to deconstruct your studios and all that stuff that comes with end of year so it's not completely over. But um I think I think for me, also, it is when you finally graduate was also another thing that was the really nice nice final finishing um it was pretty pretty funny to see everyone who's usually covered in grit and paint and stored sculptors and um, uh even marble or stone dust all of it. We're just usually quite grubby, and then everyone's really dressed up to go and get the motorboard and flip the tail to the other side is postgraduate. Like it's, it is a nice feeling. It's just, um, you just work so hard. You work hard at home. You work hard when you get there and, and you feel quite stretched, but it's, a, it is satisfying, but it's hard work. So it's, a, you end up, I know it's such an artist statement. It's a, such a bad statement. Um, you're, you're excited and you're also overwhelmed at the same time. It's Yeah. It's rewarding, though. Ashley,
1: <laughs> in twenty seventeen, uh, you had the opportunity to go to uh, Kilreeg, uh, the international artist residency in Ireland, uh, which yes, has global significance, centre and, and attraction from artists all around the world. Firstly, how did you how did you um, come across that opportunity, and, and what was that experience like?
0: Um, I actually came across the opportunity because I had an Irish artist started following me on Instagram, and and you know, follow back and. I saw one of the posts was an artist residency, um, which was Kiel really and I just I just asked her, where is this residency? It's amazing. It's a pre-femin village that's literally at the southwest coast of the bottom of the island. looks over the sea. So it's these restored stone cottages with thatch roofs, and um, it's really amazing. It's like a bean on the edge of the world because you're looking over um, these colours. So a lot of the painters, um, when I want to say a lot of painters, Uh, example William Turner he did a lot of landscapes and it's got these pink colors and greens from being at that point of the world and you get there and you just feel you feel giddy you feel like a kid in a candy store you just can't believe you're there I couldn't believe I was there um so when I found out about that I just applied so usually nine to ten you will have a portfolio that you need to submit with an artist statement and explaining why you wish to go to that residency we're like why out of you of many hundreds of artists that you should be selected and the strangest thing is i said i after six years at the institution i needed to go somewhere where i could ignore the criticism and learn how to unlearn everything i've learned <laughs> because um i was so highly critical of myself that i needed just to go to a place where i could just um think and make but i actually didn't make that much i did more drawing and sketches and writing and painting so <laughs> It was what, worth it. It's respite what, for artists.
1: <laughs> what was your biggest takeaway from your time in Ireland?
0: Uh, you hear, uh, I guess for me, you've got to be a bit more kinder to yourself as a creator. As a, anyone who's got a passion for it, you need to learn to rest and to learn to be quiet. Um, we have a tendency to over critique ourselves to the point I know I did where I couldn't actually make after a while. I needed a big long pause. I'd really pushed it for six years. And then the seventh year um, afterwards, which is when I left NASA, I didn't want to be irrelevant. I wanted to make sure I was still exhibiting. I was making sure that I was in part of um, a a group show and a solo show. And and I was lucky enough to be selected to hang in the Saatchi and Saatchi office um, afterwards. And just things like that, because you get fearful that you're going to become irrelevant. The worst thing about it is when you leave art school, you do leave your little artist hub, but when you're out there, no one cares what you got in your, you know, your results. They just want to see that you're producing and that you're making. Like it doesn't matter what you got in art history, you know. I can almost hear one of my teachers saying it. None of this matters. (laughs) And what I got out of it is just you need to be, um, you need to know when to rest and when to stop and to give yourself a break. Or just send send yourself nuts. Like mental health is key to getting through the arts. <laughs> I really think it is.
1: <laughs> For sure. And what was what was a day in the life of, of an artist at the, the residency in Ireland?
0: Besides being in complete utter daydream of can't believe I'm um, there, uh, I would sort of just get up because I went there in late end of the tail of the year, so November, so the beginning of the winter, Um, the sun wouldn't rise until about eight. So I thought I was sleeping in every day, but I got to see more sunrises than I did any other time in my life because I just never wake up before six or seven. Um, So just start there. It was lovely because the way they'd set these cottages out. So you walk in, you would have a studio space with a glass ceiling um, over for natural light, which is just, it all sounds romantic. It really is. It's just perfect it is absolute bliss and you would have a kitchenette and you have your bathroom and a loft bed at the top where in the particular one that I would start you also if you're lucky I had a couple of artists next to me so I'd get up just start your day normally go and bother a couple of them go for a walk um, and um, come back and do some sketches and then just sort of just try to I don't know relax it was just really nice just to be somewhere where i wasn't required to have a job i wasn't required to pay bills i wasn't required to answer emails anyone's phone phone calls if i didn't want to it was just one of those things where i felt like um it gave you gave you time to think without the pressure of feeling like you had to produce which is what the point of those um this residency was especially when it was created and i think that's a nice thing have when you're an artist because we have this creative pressure to produce and everyone feels that you've got to produce you've got to make but I went there and I didn't have to if I didn't want to and that was nice (laughs) and yeah it was it was good Uh, I, I could just ramble on there's just more than that there's a lot of it's indescribable because it was really sublime it was just beautiful I've never been to a place like that before it's just incredible
1: and how much inspiration did you take from the surroundings, you know, the, the water, the sunrise, um, and just the natural environment? Did that spark a lot of um, creativity in you?
0: Yeah, it I mean, definitely did. Um, I actually added, it's strange, a lot of the ideas that I'm wanting to start now, even though I attended this residency three years ago, sort of coming to fruition now. Nothing is never um, wasted when, when you make a creative endeavour. I guess it's sort of like a pilgrimage sort of thing um and it's nice to have something that has you know it's important to take these residencies and take these risks and a lot of people ask what's the point of an artist residency so when i went to um well sorry when i went overseas i included 10 week i mean 8 weeks before it cuz let's face it no one gets on a 24 hour flight to the other side of the world just to go there for 2 weeks you get yourself poor you borrow money from your parents and everything you can to go make the most of it and I saw a couple of other artworks. Um, one was in um, contemporary Scottish gallery of an artwork where it had six um, records going at once, and they were recordings of uh, water and glass. The how you make the sound at the top of the ring, the glass to a. Uh, Specific sympathy piece of music, and it was just amazing. It was such a sensory overwhelm to go in there and hear this firing it off, and you can see each record firing off at different times. And I just thought, oh, I definitely eventually want to make make a um, uh, work in my future that has sound related to it. And then the next one was going to I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Utrecht, which is in the Netherlands, where Mondrian originally. Um, Uh, either grew up or his first studio and they just had a projection work of his whole life timeline and then when I was at the residency I started seeing animations in my head as I was walking up and down the road that was over beside the sea of the either um, particular plants like humming or growing or receding this is what happens your head goes into overdrive and this is what I mean by that you use all this subconscious stuff that you get to absorb when you either travel or when you read or when you research or photography or movies or sport, anything. Um, And I got out of that pretty much my next lots of, you know, couple of bodies of work and the next one I wish to produce now from that residency. From seeing those random works, I would have never saw unless I'd taken the courage to apply for that residency and go overseas and do it.
1: And broadly speaking, Ashley, was travel, you know, at the time in Ireland, but around Europe as well, did that help you grow as a person as well as an artist?
0: Definitely, I think so. Um, uh, you know, we talk about, we romanticise travel, but I think it's essential because you, you all of a sudden you're away from home, you're away from your support base. Um, Admittedly I did I I did have friends that I could stay at and you know in England I made sure I hit up every friend I knew and couch surf my way <laughs> across to the residency um but I think it made me um uh become more um how do you put it Definitely more of a help to a fellow traveller. So when I I was stating before, anyone who needs help or who's trying to find their way, I had so much help from people and general kindness from pure strangers that I just sort of felt like it's one of those little things where it puts your faith back in humanity and also teaches you to be a little bit more kinder to the people we don't really know enough about. And when I say that is in, you know, you just can't assume anything by anyone by their appearance, their background it's just um, you just become a little bit more broad-minded, and I feel like that just sort of opened me up and I, and a bit more resilient too. Just finding my way and navigating my way, either whether it's traveling or booking things or it's my first large international trip that far. I'd been to New Zealand, but I mean furthest way I'd ever been from home, and I think um, yeah, it does. It, it made me feel also. Um, uh, good to realise that I could rely on myself, and what I mean by that is I wasn't scared to be by myself that far away from home. I knew I could do it, so I didn't feel like such a little kid having to ask mum and dad and family and friends for help anymore. I could just do it by myself.
1: <laughs> and from a career perspective, Ashley, once you finish your time at Kill Leg in Ireland, and you have yep. the two. Um, yeah, you know, the degrees under your belt. Was there a sense that you kind of made it as an artist? Did you think, you know, what I, I've kind of finally got the cut through?
0: No, and yes. Like I don't, I don't think I've ever really made it as, as an artist. And I don't mean like I, I know I'm, I've had displayed and and um, I think because this, the bias, the bar is so high. Um, For standard, um, I guess it also depends what do you you see as making as an artist? Do you see yourself as, you know, do you want to be an artist that's really high-end? Do you want to see yourself at regional and state-level galleries? Do you want to be winning prizes? Um, Do you want to be an art educator? Um, I find that I I still haven't made uh, success to a level I'd like to. There's still some areas I'd like to see myself hanging. There's still some prizes I'd like to be in there. But... My mum said it better than I did, and I will refer back to my family because she goes, you're already in it. You're already living it. You're already doing what most people would dream. I have. I go to a studio most days, and, and, and then also I'm also um, teaching art, which feels really satisfying, which I never thought I'd enjoy, but I do. And it's nice to be able to hand my knowledge down to other people and to see that, yes, you can have a career in a creative industry. And you can support yourself from this it's not easy <laughs> because when you walk out so many people leave these degrees and we're all applying for the same jobs so we're all applying for artist assistants or uh, art assistants jobs when I say that either gallery assistants you usually got to volunteer for free for a really long time to get the experience you, you know you're an artist or a teacher assistant for free you do you do you know a teaching internship at the nas that 's for free you don 't get paid for these things. I worked in a art supply store, but I still managed to get to talk to other creators and other artists and and um, that actually got my education up in actual um, my paint knowledge and paint product and and brushes and materials and yeah, I just find that i don 't know i 'm also very very self deprecating at times, so I need to Get that out of the way. I don't know when when I've really made it. (laughs) This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media.
1: For three decades, Penrith and the surrounding community has turned to the Western weekender. Whether it's The Weekender's highly revered print edition or its up-to-date news offerings through its digital presence, The Weekender truly is the heartbeat of Penrith. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. Actually, at at the age of 24, you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Was there any indication for you...
0: That diagnosis was on its way. Uh, yes. Um, a couple of little random things in my early twenties. So uh, when I before I moved to Newcastle, I was I was having what they thought was retinal migraines, and I had my optic nerve checked, and they couldn't see anything. They thought it was retinal migraines, but it sort of disappeared over time. So because it's remitting, relapsing, symptoms will come and go, and. Um, will come and disappear. So I also had uh, what we thought was a vertigo virus, but it also was there for a week and then it was gone. Um, There were certain symptoms like I had a numbness that would creep up on my skin in between the bottom of my feet and between my toes. And then I'd go to the doctors and it'd be gone. (laughs) And I'd be like, I'm not making this up. I swear to God, I couldn't feel my feet last week. And then I come in and then it would be normal again. So just some things, In hindsight, now we know, but back then we just thought, you know, there's back problems in the family. I've had sciatica nerve pain before. Everyone's put their back out. It quite literally is a pain in your ass and down the back of your legs. And you just think that that's just um, normal until my understanding from nursing is what made me see my doctor and go, hi, I don't think this is normal for my age. Can we please investigate it? And so I investigated, hoping that it wasn't. And then today, I was right.
1: (laughs) What impact has MS had uh, on your life since that diagnosis?
0: Um, I think it's—it's strangely enough, it's had good impacts too. I focus a lot on my health now. I am—I eat really, really well. Um, I take more notice of my mental health, um, even though I've had high highs and low lows I just just things that I wouldn't have paid more attention to unless it was drawn to me when I was younger like when you get a cold and you put going off to the doctor right to the end to you so bad you need antibiotics for the cough that you shouldn't have gone out and had so many beers the night before and all that sort of things that you do when you're young now I don't let things um linger I actually investigate them and um and I'm very much into um uh Western medicine makes Eastern medicine. So I think just a whole holism, the way you treat your health, it's just not one thing. Your whole, The way you conduct your life will affect your health. And um, it's just being smart, knowing what works for you, knowing how much um, work is good and bad for you. So we have a tendency to live in a society of 24-7. That doesn't work for chronic illness. That doesn't work for anyone. You know, like I'm very pro- um, you know rest is good <laughs> it's 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 good to take time off it's good to take holidays if you can it doesn't have to be necessary going overseas or anything extravagant it's just being smart enough to realize that you need to slow down and which I'm still not good enough to look sometimes when you're an artist you just want to keep making you want to keep on producing but I all I can give for advice for anyone is don't go to the point where your body stops you because (laughs) uh, the tail end of it is um, a hard way to crawl yourself. Like, sorry, it's hard to crawl your way back up to good health when you've gone too far. So, so, yeah. (laughs) So there's been good things and it's been uh, a good motivator to make art. It's literally been the fire underneath me to produce. So, yeah.
1: How did your family support you through what would have been a difficult time, obviously, physically and mentally?
0: Like anyone, diagnosis is pretty full on. You never expect to hear those words ever. Um, I I think just uh, through my studies too. So mum and dad have always been there, financial support um, if I needed it. Um, I think also just being able to have someone there I could call. And if I was really bad, mum and dad would just drive from Lithgow to be with me in Newcastle if I needed it. Mum would stay with me. Mum's been to nearly every appointment of mine, <laughs> even up to the age of 32. Every MRI, every infusion, like all that sort of stuff. I I think you you need that support. Um, my brother Nicholas bought me a laptop in my second year of um, uh, Hunter Street TAFE art school. Yeah, I had to count in my head when was that, um, <laughs> and and it just blew me away because I was starting photography and you I liked to. Uh, he knew i 'd love to do night photography and long exposure, and I needed a laptop to continue my studies and he, he just yeah presented that to me at the beginning of my second year in TAFE. and it 's just little things like that that you remember my oldest brother is my biggest biggest fan I mean, he always thinks i 'm the best he always doesn 't matter what i produce i 'm I'm, I'm better than everyone else. I need his thinking I, I would never doubt myself if I had matthew 's thinking and Dad dad, and mum always just goes, I don't know where you got it from. Well, I do because mum writes poetry. Dad helped build a house and used to take photo, photo, photographs when I was younger. I, I've i got a really support, big support group from my family and friends. And that's how I've been able to get through everything. When I thought I couldn't because it's exhausting.
1: <laughs> and Ashley, you're Karen painting practice is, is focused on the narrative of the invisible and our perception of the unknown. Um, I've taken that from your, your website. You, you touched on <laughs> you know, your Nana's farm was a source of inspiration. Does, does most of your inspiration come from life experiences that you've been through or is it more your interpretations of the world?
0: Um, it's a bit of both, I think. Um, uh, at the start with my practice, it was definitely more of my life experiences because um, sensory perception was changed with having MS. So it meant that I didn't want to paint the world as it is. So I might have, uh, and not everything was based on my MS, but but I felt like everything had a sensibility. And because my sensory sensibilities were changed, I didn't want to paint what I saw exactly what was in front of me. So I would paint um, in a way... Um, where it's a thing called a complementary color. It's across from the color wheel. For example, it's like um, uh, orange and blue. And when you put them next to each other, they want to vibrate. So I would make buildings and I will paint buildings and... um, urban landscapes and these colors that would vibrate because that's how my sensory felt about it and I didn't want to paint people because I had more of affiliation with buildings than did people because you know buildings are falling down but they're still standing there it's like I don't know how you feel buddy like <laughs> I'd want to paint them in a certain way that was like how I was experiencing my everyday and then um, as I've as I've moved on after my studies, I found that I, I like to dive into a little bit more about the narrative. All of a sudden, I'm finding that I'm really having um, a connection to um, most people do, to histories of certain spaces because it's nearly as important as what's happening in the present because I almost sort of feel like nothing ever really dissolves. So I find myself wanting to paint a lot of industrial spaces or old, old um Uh, industrial factories and things like that because they have a hum and a vibration to them. They might be completely torn down, but the whole landscape still you can see and bears the marks of all that industrial movement, all those industrial production. It's never gone. It's still there. You can feel it.
1: And the use of kind of ambiguous shapes, spaces, the unconventional colours you talked about, Yes: Do you like to kind of prescribe an interpretation to the viewer, or do you like to keep it open for them to to take it as they see?
0: I try not to um, uh, have my statements being too too descriptive, too heavily descriptive, so yes, so I can give the viewer a chance to have their own interpretation because people aren't idiots, they don't need to have everything described to them <laughs> and um, and I know I'm not trying to do a contemporary artwork where it's completely um uh, sometimes some artists will completely remove the artwork and it will be more about the the idea. Whereas me, I still I still live in the land of the um of the of the real and, and, and the textual and um and I still yeah the physical artwork is still something I still wish to have present <laughs> and I don't want to take away the person's um experience of it because I think viewing artwork is an experience in itself like travelling or Um, If you're a runner or if you're a sportsman, it's still an experience to go and view an artwork and I don't want to tell them how to view it. But uh, I do want to give them a little bit if they're feeling a little bit confused.
1: (laughs) More recently, Ashley, you've expanded into mixed media and and animation um, in stop motion. Tell us a little bit about that and what sparked that specific interest.
0: I've, I, you know, a lot of people will be a fan of Tim Burton, so Nightmare Before Christmas and, um, you know, that stop motion, that sort of thing is amazing. All that background, a lot of film tends to go, tends to really sink into everyone's experience of animation and I think what really grabbed me is that I got to a point where paintings are still they are still object as much as I can, you know, put the tricks of the trade of putting um, complementaries to make them vibrate. They, and there is a speed and there is a movement in paintings, but they don't talk, they don't move. And for me, I wanted them to start to um, have another life because the art world is moving along. And there is, you know, a sense to want to dive into technology. And what really stemmed me wanting to make animation is that there's a movie called Loving Vincent where it's a hundred thousand oil paintings, and I wanted to make my work move, so I want to start to make animation from stop motion. So, painting an image, and then, and then, um, uh, getting to the another still, repainting it again, and then painting over it, take an image, repaint it again, take it, and then you'll get a movement, and you'll get a film.
1: Another area you, you've diversified into, and you touched on it before, Ashley was being a part-time educator. And how does it feel for you yes. when you are sharing your passion, um, you know, with either the next generation or, or aspiring artists?
0: I think a lot of people, we well, shouldn't say a lot of people, I know that I moved into artists, um, been, uh, moved into being an art educator from the need and necessity to earn an income. and um, And I realised that when you're an artist, things could be in flux. So you make a set of works and they sell, they don't sell. You need to have a constant income to pay for your work as you're going on, as you go on. And um, I find that when I, I found, sorry, I found that when I started teaching, I actually really enjoyed it. I actually felt nice to share my knowledge. It felt nice to give back. And I think um, as someone who's been through two institutions, there's certain things that I wish I'd got from the beginning because um, you get a little bit from all your teachers. You get a little bit of advice or a little bit of a, um, a technique and or a little bit of um, understanding of the material. And I've come to realise I've got a, quite a good, solid knowledge of my practice and, in particular, acrylic painting and how to show people how to use them properly and how to really um, hone in on their skill. It felt, felt, felt good to give that back to someone. Um, and uh, it means that the skills that you learn won't die. You pass them on. It's, it's I think, arts are essential and, and I want to see them um, championed. And the only way to do that is to also be someone who champions them for other people wanting to learn the skills.
1: <laughs> and have you, have you tried to seek out any particular kind of mentors or you know, artists that came before you to, to pick their brains and get their insights?
0: Yes, I have. Um, I have a teacher who lives near me, um, uh, Linda Swinfield. So I've um, she was my um, professional practice teacher, and um, she she is also a printmaker. So she went from art heavy art education to leaving the art education world for a while, and now is back in there. And it was it was just um, awesome to hear someone talk about going back to basics. You can never exhaust them. It's it's something that um, As a student, I thought to myself, oh, this is so boring. Why am I doing this? And then you get hindsight and you realise how important they are. And I just realised important they are. And then I just realised how annoying I would have been as a student and also how appreciative I was of my lecturers and teachers for being so patient with me when you get honed in on an idea. You get obsessed with ideas and works you want to produce. And usually they're out of your skill level or your skill set. And you need to know when to hone back and begin from scratch and how to work your way up there so that it's nice to be able to translate that and communicate that to artists who are coming up rather than just going you need to know that because you won't be able to produce later on I'm a big believer of you know it's better to be able to make a work because you chose to make it out of a particular skill set not because you can't it's important to be able to um yeah decipher when you need to go back and rehone in your skills and when some things are intuitive and some things are not just going to come out of nowhere they require your attention
1: (laughs) Ashley do you believe that in in life that we as people that we find ourselves in life or that we create ourselves and what I mean by that is do you feel that kind of the path's already laid out for us and there's an end goal or does every decision we make shape where we end up in life
0: Oh wow. Um it's a big question. Um yeah, it's like the meaning of life. <laughs> I think I don't think we talk about people being lucky. I think you create your own luck. I think you create your own future. I think you create your own um opportunities. Definitely. Uh I don't think everything's just laid out for you at all. I, I think um uh we talk about uh people being um gifted or or someone who's creatively inclined or you know everyone has a slight gift you know um everyone is slightly talented but i i really like my martial arts teacher my old martial arts teacher just said you know um a talent is a useless attribute without the hard work so i really think you you create your own opportunities it just it's just knowing that sometimes you just have to wait a little longer um to stick it out because might it might happen in years. It's better to have something ready to go than be given an opportunity and not have it.
1: <laughs> yeah, looking back on the past 10 years or so, you've had you know, some immense challenges and some tremendous successes. Have you taken the time to kind of pause and reflect on what has been a pretty incredible ride so far, the, the time overseas, the, the art school? Do you stop to pause and reflect?
0: Um, I do. I've probably had times where I've had too much time to pause and reflect. (laughs) You you can, you can get, um, and I've had a couple of downers. So, you know, I might pause and go, Oh, look at what all, look at all that I have achieved. And I think, wow, I've, I've, um, it's something to, I have to keep on reminding myself to really look at because 'Cause I end up with um, unfortunately, like a lot of people, it's it's not enough. You can always do more. You could have done more. But um but in in retrospect, um I've I'm where I am because of all my hard work and where I am because um I never I never decided to give it up. Even though it's at times so it's a lot of times it's like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Look what I've created, what is this? Like I, I remember it's just Many times showing it to friends or family going, what have I made? This is just rubbish and wanting to give it up. But, um, but uh, I just can't see myself doing anything else. I, I, that's the thing I realise. Uh, it's what you're willing to suffer for, <laughs> not just what makes you happy because not everything you do will, want, will give you that energy to want to get up and try again. And that's exactly what having a creative career has given me. I always want to get up and have a go at it again. I always want to go back to the studio. Even if there's weeks I haven't even picked up a pen or a brush, I'll still want to go back and start start again. Not, a, not many um, opportunities in my life I can see that has given me that same satisfaction as what art has for me. I'm lucky.
1: <laughs> and from your learnings and experiences, Ashley, do you have any advice for... I guess any creative looking to, to explore, to, to get things going, Um, how do they overcome the challenges and and how do they get started?
0: For one, just having a leap of faith. So um, if you want to, I guess you're referencing either actually going into an artist career or just starting in general. Um, Yeah, both. 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 Um, Nine out of ten, I've got a lot of, i 've got a lot of um, good introspect from teachers who um, who are, who are drawing teachers, and they always you can always draw yourself in and out of a problem, so it is literally just allowing yourself to um, make bad work, make lots of it, make lots, make lots of terrible work, and not be afraid to not succeed straight away. We have a tendency to go. Um, uh, especially you will talk to a lot of people say oh I'm not creative at all I can only draw stick figures and you hear that over and over and over again it's the first thing I get given every time I can't draw can't even draw stick figures and like how do you know you haven't tried I, I just think um, definitely start out at the beginning of the basis and at the basics and just start drawing and then after that, if you really want to see yourself improve, definitely seek out your creative community. Is there classes that you can attend? Is is there a workshop you can attend? Is there an art school you can attend? Um, and and seek advice. Um, another really good source of this sort of information is we're lucky in the Blue Mountains Culture Centre. They have classes, and I have did did uh, um, I have I'm um, taught painting techniques course there, and I think fig- it felt this is a great place for people who wish to uh, just to experience what it's like to be in a classroom or with a group of people who have the same objective as just to make and have no other alternative or no other um, pressure, just, just to have, have a go. And, and um, I think, yeah, it's seeking it out. Don't, don't be afraid to go to these creative institutions you're not you know there's no stupid questions with you just ask what's available and and they usually have a high amount of resources to give to artists or people wishing to begin yeah i I think it's definitely always worth um asking for advice with other people in um institutions to what it's like and how to achieve it and where did you begin and um Yeah, I felt that wasn't really given to me until I entered an um, artist institution. But now as I've got out of this institution, I realise there's a lot more resources than what I thought was available. I just had to seek them out.
1: And before we wrap up, Ashley, um, a quick plug to your website and social media. How do people find out more and and check out some of your great work?
0: Um, I have my own website. So it's just ashleybucolts.com. I'm also on Instagram and I'm also on um, Facebook so a lot of my um, classes or my um, uh, exhibitions or where I've been exhibited will be in my CV and um, I will post regularly when I'm um, in the middle of either producing a body of work and uh, where I'll be exhibiting at so it's usually on social media.
1: Ashley, what's, what's next for you? Do you have some kind of big projects in the pipeline? What does the next six to 12 months look like for you? Uh,
0: for the next uh, six months, it's 12 months, I, I guess at the current moment, I'm going to start teaching at um, the old Lifgow Pottery, um, which is now becoming an art school, the old Lifgow Pottery Art School and Gallery. And I'm going to be teaching a, um, a drawing class so it's um, drawing for portfolio so I will start there and that will be kicking off in um, end of June and um, uh, and then I also I'm starting to produce um, my stop motion animation <laughs> I'm just I'm just making the work as we speak I've got certain objects that I'm making to move I'm doing painting backgrounds I haven't started shooting them yet it just I just need to produce the body of work before I can start actually photographing and i'm hoping to by the end of the year um have uh, a stop motion or a couple of stop motion films that i can put online and also hopefully maybe put into a gallery <laughs> that's that's my aim little little goals
1: <laughs> ashley uh, a huge uh, thanks for your your time and, and being on the passion and perspective podcast and wishing you all the best
0: oh, thank you very much <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media and proudly presented by the Western Weekender.